Let's give Ali a big warm welcome as she comes. Um, a few weeks ago, God gave me some two words to talk about today, and so I threw it to Joel and said, "Write a song," and he did. So here he is. I actually only told him last week. Hello? Okay, there we go, that's working. Right, yeah, this is song. Mum wrote the words and she's going to put some chords to it. I'll hold fast and partake of you all that you Picture. 
I just really, it's not, I didn't draw it, I didn't paint it, I just found it on the internet. But I just love that grab. Like it feels like a strong and a certain hold, you know, like maybe a trapeze artist. But when I looked up trapeze artist grabs, they don't grab like that, just so you know. So if you're doing any trapeze, don't grab like that. I know all of you like doing that. So let's, uh, let's pray first, hey? I've actually been praying for you already. So if you guys could pray for me, that will kind of make us even. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we know that it is you and it is by your spirit that anything that lasts is done. And so we pray this morning that we would be even more aware of your presence in us and with us as we've gathered today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be the voice that we hear speaking to our hearts, that you would be the one leading us and drawing us and making us brave. In your mighty name, amen. Okay, hold fast. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we're told in a lot of scriptures to hold fast. There's another scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, which is coming. There we go. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're holding fast and we're holding fast for a reason. Deuteronomy, way back there in Deuteronomy, chapter 10 and verse 20 says, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. Make a commitment, make a covenant. Hebrews 3.6 says, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast, the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We're holding fast. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So we're not just to hold fast to whatever, but to hold fast to Christ. And in a few of those scriptures, it actually says, hold fast to the confidence from the beginning. Hold fast all the way through. I don't know about you, but sometimes you can say like, here I am, God, I'm dying in my sin. Let me grab hold of you. And so you rescue me, but then I'll take it from here. <laughs> I know I've done that. But these scriptures remind us that we are to hold fast. That very confidence, the confidence that we had that he would save us in the first place, hold fast all the way through. I know just recently, being a bit open here, I, you know I don't like saying I'm just going to be honest because actually we should always be honest. Yeah. So I'm not being honest, I'm just being open with you today, that I had something happen that really just broke my heart and I went to just have some time to myself and I had my phone with me and I looked at my phone and I just thought, my habit is to zone out. 
I'm just going to go in here and play some stupid game or do a Spanish lesson. I do, I do that on my phone. Just to distract from my reality because I was hurting. And do you know what? This guy's not our friend. Um, and he's definitely not our saviour. And sometimes we need to put this down and actually hold fast and actually go to the one who can and has saved us and rescued us and continues to hold us as we hold him. And holding fast actually will look different for each one of you. Some people, you know, you worship and, and they're right there in the presence of God. Some people, it's the word. It comes alive and it anchors them. Some people, it's prayer. And God just saturates their heart as they come before him in prayer. However you hold fast, we need to remember to do it. I've, I've mentioned this before, that I feel like God is moving. Okay, he's doing something new and fresh. I don't know if you can feel it, but it's, it's happening. And see, what happens when God starts to move, and particularly when we step in and say, yeah, okay, let's do this new thing together. Let's meet you partner in this, God. That'd be really awesome. When we step into that space where we're willing to be partners with him, he's like very excited, let me just tell you. He's very glad that you say yes to him. But then he, he, he often says, like he did with Moses, like Moses said yes to eventually to being the spokesman for God. And God goes, that's great, let's go. But you can't, we kind of need to deal with this thing in your life so that we can go forward. And probably it's because Moses would damage people going forward if he's going forward with God with whatever it is. But see, when God starts to put his finger on us, like he does with me, maybe he does it with you, maybe you're just wonderful, <laughs> but when he does it to me, when he puts his finger on stuff, it can, it can hurt, it can be uncomfortable, that is when we need to actually hold fast because he is trustworthy and he is safe and he is good. But if we're not sure of those things, we don't hold fast. We need to hold fast. See, it can get uncomfortable when we're waiting for good it can be uncomfortable in that space. And I don't know about you, but we're getting really good at avoiding, hey? Like we don't, we avoid uncomfortable things. And our world is going that way. Like everything that comes out makes our life easier and more comfortable and less work. And so we get in that zone of, oh, I don't really want to, I don't really like doing hard things. I don't want to do hard things. But we actually need to do hard things. The, um, the guy that wrote, I don't know, did he write it or direct it? Anyway, the guy that did The Chosen, you know that show? If you haven't watched it, you seriously should. It's amazing. Um, but it's about the life of Christ. And, and Dallas Jenkins says this, just before he started working on that show, he was like this big, he had this big deal going on in Hollywood. 
as a producer or director or whatever it is. You probably need to watch the interview for yourself if you want the details. So I'm a bit <laughs> loose on those. But he was being acclaimed and then had the rug pulled out from under him and lost it all. And he says if he hadn't hit that failure, he wouldn't have made The Chosen. And if you've seen The Chosen, you will agree with me that it's amazing and that is actually showing Jesus very well and to people. They've actually done, um, Dave Bean was telling me they did a, they've done a show where they grabbed a whole bunch of people, kind of like Gogglebox, and stuck them in a room and got them to watch The Chosen and, and got their responses. None of them were believers, but they actually loved it. And they had some amazing comments come back from this show, which is really good. But he said if he hadn't faced failure, he would not have found God to be who he was for him to make The Chosen. And just to give you an idea, they did a GoFundMe for The Chosen. And the most that a GoFundMe has ever brought in was like six or seven million dollars and he got 10. Only God could really pull that off for a Christian show. Because I don't know if you've noticed, Christianity is not all that popular, apparently. 10 million dollars says otherwise though, hey? Charlotte Campbell, who's a preacher from the UK, says, sometimes it takes pain to awaken the purpose. Rejection to reveal the direction. See, sometimes we avoid failure and we avoid pain and so we don't get the opportunity to find out who God can be in that space. She's feeling a bit heavy, so I'll just tell you something funny. Evangelist J. John says this, we don't need to be so hard on ourselves because the mum in E.T. had an alien living in her house for days and had no idea. All right then. <laughs> Has anyone seen the movie E.T.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there we go. All right, you're awake. Awesome. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. There was an alien living in it. Anyway. <laughs> you see, God puts a calling on our lives even though he knows we're going to mess it up. Because he wants us to hold fast to him and learn in a greater way who he is. So I'm quickly going to take you to the book of Nehemiah. Has anyone read that? It's an odd book, I've got to just say. I'm not going to take the whole concept of it, just a little bit. You generally might know that it's about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. So the Israelites had been removed, like exiled, and so the fire had come and destroyed the walls. They were in ruins, and Nehemiah hears about it and it grieves his heart. But he decides... You know, my notes are really bad today and I normally don't lean on them this much, but because they're bad, we're all in trouble. <laughs> See, I read, the, I read this story 
and I see that the walls were broken down. A fire had come and the walls had not survived. And see, I think, and I know for myself, I build walls as a way of protecting myself, as a way of even identifying myself. This is who I am, this is who I'm not outside of that wall. And see, when I read this story, I see that um, there were walls that had been built that were not necessarily from God. But Nehemiah is grieved by these broken down walls and he wants to rebuild the walls. So walls can represent either us trying to build our own lives aside from God or us defending ourselves. And when the pressure comes on, our walls can be exposed. When the fire comes, they're either destroyed or they're shaken or they're just made evidence. Because often the walls that we build push back at other people. And so here's Nehemiah and he's wanting to rebuild the walls. And a little bit I look and I go, wait a minute, if the walls are like our own self-defense and identity, why is Nehemiah rebuilding them if they're not a good thing? But do you know the word, the name Nehemiah actually means comfort? And in the New Testament, there's another one who's called the comfort, the comforter. And so it could be that Nehemiah here is like a foretelling of the Holy Spirit who comes to rebuild in us. Not what we have done of ourselves, but what God wants to be our identity. And God wants to be our protection. And while the old walls are there, we can't resist the fire. We can't deal with the fire. They'll, they'll get destroyed. But Nehemiah wants to build, and it's like the king, who's representative of God here, he sends people and he sends timber and he actually helps. And after years of them trying to sort out the wall, Nehemiah does it in like 52 days, which is really quite quick because he's doing it with God. I just want to tell you that there's no shame of having built walls around yourself because it actually shows that in a time when you needed defence, you, you were able to survive and be strong. But the problem with us building walls for ourselves is that they can keep God out because he can't be the wall if there's already one there. He can't be the wall if there's rubble. He wants to come and be that wall, be that protection, be that identity for us. So what's the results of allowing God to build our wall? First one in one 
say something that this morning I felt like there's a two-sided coin that um, God was highlighting to me and that is of disappointment. The coin is disappointment. And one side of the coin is there's people here who believe that they are a disappointment. And it's not true. The second side is that we like to avoid disappointment. I mean, nobody goes into something wanting to be disappointed. But this two-sided coin of disappointment can be something that helps us to build a wall. I believe I'm a disappointment, so I'm not gonna let you get close enough to me to find out for, for real. Or, I don't, I don't wanna face disappointment, so I'm gonna keep you out. But here's the thing, Nehemiah builds a wall. He helps build God's wall and he gathers the people and he gives them an identity as the children of Israel again. And he builds the wall and here's the fruit of him building the wall. In chapter seven, and I haven't put it up there because it is so long and it lists all the people. And there's a lot of them. And they are the list of people who came back out of captivity because the wall was rebuilt in God. And so the fruit of us allowing God to rebuild our walls, which means you have to make space for him to rebuild the walls. And I say, you've got to get rid of some rubble. You might have to, we'll talk about that later, but you've got to be clear space for God to build his wall. But chapter seven lists off the multitudes of people who were freed from captivity because, and craptivity, <coughs> all of the ivities. It kind of works, doesn't it? Captivity would have been pretty. I said it quietly. Am I allowed to say that? Sometimes I feel like I hop up here and I want to lose this job. <laughs> like, like if I do bad enough, they won't make me do it again. I used to do that if I was making a cup of coffee for my dad. Anyone else? Make it so bad you never had to do it again. All my siblings and I used to compete at how bad we could make the coffee. One time, my brother, oh, he's probably not watching, let's face it, he's a heathen. Um, he put washing detergent in it. In my coffee. Amway, Amway washing detergent, so it was organic. <laughs> All right, you've got me off track. So, a lot of people, right? We didn't laugh at the ET thing, so you get to have the coffee story. Um, chapter seven, oodles of people freed because the wall was rebuilt properly. Here's another benefit. So freedom and the freedom of others happens when we allow God to be our security and our defense. In chapter eight, it says, I reckon there's a scripture up there page, but I'm not sure, yes, there is. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. Unity. <coughs> Unity and restoration of relationship comes when we allow God to be 
at security and at defense. Chapter 8 and verse 5. I love this scripture, I've got to just say. It says that Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. He was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up just because they were excited about the word of God. How amazing is that? This is also part of us when we don't have a wall up that will say this far and no more. We can get excited about the word, whatever it says, we know it's going to be good. We're not going to need to protect ourselves. It even says in verse 9 that the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord, of the law. I cannot remember the last time I cried when I was reading the word. I've been excited about it. I've loved what I've read, what I've read. But I don't think I've cried. Chapter 8 and verse 6. Worship was a result. All the people answered, Amen and Amen, while lifting their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshipped the Lord, their faces to the ground. We worship him fresh. So as I said this morning, I really just felt like there was a two-sided coin. And they go together. I don't know why, I don't really understand it, but I have learned that I don't have to understand everything to declare it. But I do feel like that disappointment is a thing. That we, you may have had it spoken over you or you may have just picked up that, you know, from, from the vibe of who knows who, that you're a disappointment. That's not true. And I can say that to you till, you know, however long, but um, unless God says it to you, unless you hear it from him, I don't think you'll be free from that. But it is a two-sided coin because we don't want to face it either. Disappointment. So I want to pray for a few people this morning. I was telling the prayer team out there that I feel actually quite ill-equipped this morning. Like seriously. I'm just launching out there, jumping off the cliff and hoping I land safely at the bottom. So if you want to join me in that, that'd be lovely. We'll do it together. But I have a few people I want to pray for. The first person is you're looking into the face of something. You're facing something and it seems huge, too big for you. But in scripture we see that just as Joshua and Caleb went into a place where everything felt huge, they carried it together. And there are people who have come alongside and people who can come alongside to help you carry what seems huge. God has sent them because he's a very present help in times of trouble. Second person or people I want to pray for, the voices of fear are getting loud. But it's time to quiet the voices, just like Joshua did. To declare that the Lord delights in you and he will make the enemy your bread. It's a pretty full on, it's a pretty full on statement there. 
but awesome to be on that side of it. The last person I want to pray for, or people I want to pray for, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 2, and it says, The Lord spoke to me this, saying this, You have skirted this mountain long enough. It's time to turn northward. Now, I'm really hoping that some of you know what any of those mean. I'm trusting God that he gave them to me. I think they do mean something to you, some of you. But I also want to pray for you because if disappointment is a thing and it is a two-sided coin, then there are a bunch of things that we can do, but only you know the things that you need to do. Does that make sense? So I'll give you a bit of a list and you can decide which ones you want to do or which ones are for you. Obviously the first thing is to forgive. If you have felt disappointment from others in your life, probably significant others, then you may need to forgive them. You may need to forgive yourself for allowing their words to contain you. You may need to repent yourself for letting that be your identity even. You definitely need to reject the lie that you're a disappointment. Sometimes when we've got a wall, we need to choose to let go of it. We often say, oh God, I've been praying and God won't take this from me. I've got an issue with God taking. I don't think he does take. I think that we have to give. We have to choose to let go of it. We have to actually say, I don't want this to be my protection or my identity anymore. I'm going to hand it to you. Something I actually find really helpful in that time. Because I say this to you because I am actually ill-equipped to do this. I'm saying this to you because this is my journey. I have had walls that I have had to eyeball, like, you know, I see you wall. And sometimes it's just as simple you respond this morning, it's just as simple as it is. Just like, Josie, sorry, thank you. <laughs> I think people have put the, oh, tissue. It's not wet, okay? So I'll handle it, it's not wet. It's as simple as this, okay? If, if you feel like, this is me, I, I've, I've been I've had the message that I'm a disappointment, but I don't want to own it anymore. You just grab, tissues are easy because they're kind of disposable, right? And you just give it to someone else. I'll give it to you. Can you come take it? No, I'm not taking it. I'm giving it to you. Yes. That can be as simple as it is, just an actual act of giving, of actually handing it over. That might be you this morning. Or you might have a wall there and you know it's there and you need to knock it down so that God can come into that space and be your security and your identity. But you probably have a question for him. 
because that wall has kept you safe for a very long time. And so are you going to be safe if it comes down? That one is between you and him. I know what I think he would say, but you need to hear it from him. But I tell you what, as we move forward in our walk with God and in all that he's got for us and in all that he's got for us to do, we need to hold fast to him. And that means during a really tough situations where it can be really close to your heart, where you've felt pain and discomfort before, it's time to let the walls down and let God be that space, let God fill that space. Joel, can you help me? <laughs> Can you find that song, uh, find a song and put it up on, or just get it playing? I didn't prepare this earlier. I do think I sent the words to Paige though. I was hoping Jasmine was going to be here, but she's not. Because she can sing it. It's just a really lovely song. It's called Belovedness. Because sometimes for us to be brave enough to step into a space where our usual defense mechanisms need to be laid down, we need to be confident in God's love for us. And so, I know you know how to play it. Can you sing it? Probably not. No, not, not right now? Okay. It's a really beautiful song, so it's worth waiting for. But while we're waiting for that, it's by Sarah Kroger. Yeah, he's all like a thumbs up. That's a good sign. Um, so while we're just waiting for that, I just I just do want you to. I'm, I've got to just tell you, I'm really pleased that half the chefs away today. But <laughs> Steve McDonald cracked up, isn't it? Only because we're family. They're also family, but sometimes we can actually not want to be vulnerable in the middle of a crowd of people. But today you've got a small crowd and they look pretty safe from up here if you want to come and have a look. They look pretty safe. And so if you, if you think, you know, it could just be the first step. It could just be the first step towards, I know, you know, even acknowledging I've got a wall and while it's kept me safe, it's kept God at arm's length. And I want my security and I want my identity to be fully in him. This is a safe place this morning to do it. Are we good? Oh, we're good. Have a listen to this song and hopefully the words will come up too because they're also very good. Yep, I'm getting nods. I'll stop talking. Respond however you want, whenever you want.
You wanna make 